Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, the World Cup is almost upon us, and forgive us for starting the World Cup countdown a little bit, perhaps too early. But this is the 100th episode of the What If Football podcast, so we're returning to some naughty's nostalgia to take a look at, in my opinion, the best players of the World Cup in the 2000s. We've got them all. We've got the cult heroes of Anjun Wan and Russ Du to... The unforgiving Zidane and Ronaldo. Let's get stuck straight in. So let's start with one of those cult heroes himself. Ahn Jun Wang, of course. The South Korean hero of the 2002 World Cup, of course. Famously co-hosted in South Korea and Japan. So, of course, the the the, the natural place to go with Anjun Wang, the 2002 World Cup, and maybe a little bit of South Korea in that 2002 World Cup is the winning goal against Italy. The World Cup golden goal rule was still alive and well, and Anjun Wang capitalised on that with the winning goal in the last 16, albeit in, obviously, circumstances which were a little bit controversial, and sprinkled into that a little bit of spice of Anjun Wang plying his trade in Italy with Perugia and him being sacked and then not sacked and obviously the future that would come with it. But the best evening for at least four days, four or five days for South Korea in this World Cup or as a national team altogether 
He also did score the uh, the crucial goal for South Korea in drawing with Portugal because that was the only game in which South Korea dropped points in the group and in turning that game from a 1-0 Portugal win to a 1-1 draw, it ensured that South Korea had seven points and not six. It also ensured that Portugal were out and didn't have six points and weren't you know, top of the group. They were eliminated and South Korea were top of the group. So in, instead of potentially second place and a wholly different story for this South Korean team and you know, Mexico and Germany, it's Italy, it's Spain. And of course, that didn't seem to matter to South Korea, the co-host, because they would eliminate Italy, as we mentioned. And of course, Andrew and Wang helped to do the same to Spain in a historic run. Probably the greatest underdog story, unless you are so um, averse to the... Uh, the controversial circumstances which took South Korea beyond Spain in the penalty shootout in the quarterfinals and to the semi-finals, the only Asian nation so far to reach the semi-finals of a World Cup. So we go, well, of course, we're still sticking with the 2002 World Cup. We have to talk about Rustu and the great Turkish team. Rustu earned a, earned a move to Barcelona off the back of his performances at the World Cup. Played four games for Barcelona in a number of years and was shipped back off to Turkey. But obviously, for the size of the nation and Turkey's performance at the World Cup in reaching the semi-finals, obviously it goes without saying that this is Turkey's greatest performance at a World Cup and matched with Euro 2008 for their greatest performance in any tournament, really. I think for that achievement, despite the fact that Oliver Kahn, who we're going to speak about in a second... They got to the final, Germany. I mean, I think Turkey getting to the semi-final and Rustu being one of the best goalkeepers in the tournament, I think he deserved the Golden Glove ahead of Khan for me because of how shocking Turkey's run to the semi-finals was and ultimately finishing with the bronze medal ahead of South Korea. Now, Oliver Khan, yes, he won the Golden Glove. He was the best goalkeeper at the tournament, according to FIFA. Um... He wasn't number one by 2006, so this is why he's only in the 2002 section of this podcast. And I think because mainly of Oliver Kahn's slip up in the final gift in the goal to Ronaldo, who again, we'll discuss later on in this podcast. I think because of that slip up, I would give, I'd be more inclined to give Rustu the goalkeeper of the tournament award in 2002. But of course, FIFA run their rule, run their awards fairly binary. Whoever wins or whoever gets to the final invariably wins the best player award, of course, when it comes to golden boots, of course, it's less binary. Rustu, for me, trumps Oliver Kahn ever so slightly to the best goalkeeper of that tournament. And we've got to talk about other Turkish stars of the 2002 World Cup, Hashan Şaş and Umit Davala. Now, Davala was, along with many others, Alpay as well at centre-half, an unsung hero of what is probably the greatest Turkish team in the history of football. Hasan Şas, probably more so widely remembered, cutting in from the wing and being such a devastating attacker for this um, for this Turkish team. You've got also Hakan Suka as well, both deserving of being in the, the team of the tournament. Sas was, Sumit Devala ultimately wasn't, unfortunately. We've got to go to another Another um, surprise package, in a, really in a tournament full of surprise packages, it's um, Senegal, the team who Turkey eliminated from the quarterfinal. Senegal at their first ever World Cup and 
for me, their three best players at the tournament were Papa Bouba Diop, who scored famously Senegal's first goal at the tournament at any World Cup, um, with his winner on the opening night against the holders' front, helping to eliminate them. We've got Aliou Cisse, who is currently the Senegal manager. He was their leader. He was their captain at centre-half. And then you've got El Hadj Jouf, who wrangled a spot in the team of the tournament as well and was incredible throughout Senegal's historic run. All will become household names off the back of this. You can factor in also Ferdinand Kohli. You can also factor in Salif Jao, who earned a move to the Premier League off the back of this. With Juve to Liverpool and um, this Senegal team lives long in the memory for eliminating the likes of Uruguay and France, former world champions, for eliminating Sweden, who, yes, Sweden aren't one of the more fashionable teams in Europe, in the world, and aren't qualified for the 2022 World Cup. But around this time, sort of 2002 to 2006, were one of the dark horses in world football and were one of the better teams in this tournament, just ask Argentina, who uh, fell to them in the uh, in the group stages of this tournament. We've also got, we, we haven't even discussed one of the world champions from this year yet, but Rivaldo, perhaps maybe in the notorious category here for what he actually did at this World Cup, for what he did against Turkey, of course, ensuring that they would beat Turkey, but with a team against nine men because he... Clutched his face when the ball hit him in the knee when he was kicked the ball. One of the most despicable <laughs> acts by a by a player is cheating, isn't it? Let's be honest. But outside of that, if we push that <laughs> misdemeanor to one side, was one of the best players in the world at this stage. As in 1998, when he dragged Brazil alongside Ronaldo to the final... He was doing the exact same thing here. You've still got the mainstays of that team in this team. Roberto Carlos, Cafu from, from fullback or wingback, at least in this case, as they shifted tactically. Ronaldo, of course, and we'll, uh, we'll discuss another famous Brazilian World Cup winner um, later on in the show as well. It was a groundbreaking tournament, the 2002 World Cup for America as well. Whilst they might have thought that USA 94 and hosting the World Cup might have provided a breakthrough in terms of the, the sport's popularity, 2002 remains America's second best showing at a World Cup. Now, of course, the first was a semi-final when the World Cup was a very different story. In um, the 1930 World Cup, a semi-final defeat. But here, a quarter-final exit to Germany probably remains the most impressive World Cup display, I'd say. And perhaps should have done a little bit better as well, considering, of course, the obvious Torsten Frings handball and should have been a red card, should have been a penalty. And then you'd expect with momentum, the USA would have won. And with South Korea in the semi-final, probably deserving of a final spot, which probably isn't a fashionable thing to say, but that's how it goes, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on what side of the Atlantic Ocean you fall on, I suppose. So we've got Landon Donovan, his coming out party to the rest of the world, well-famed in America and in the MLS for his exploits in front of goal. He was coming to the fore here. Brian McBride, not too far behind him. But for me, Claudio Reyna, probably a name that we most associate with the Premier League. And as British viewers, we would have seen more of him than Donovan or McBride, of course, we would come to see both in the Premier League eventually. But Claudio Reyna was, for me, the most important player in the American team, of course, after 
after Landon Donovan, obviously. He'd been playing for Rangers, Sunderland at the highest levels in the Premier League, in the SPL, in Champions League as well. And um, could have provided America with a, uh, an assist in one of their most important games against Germany. Had, obviously, the aforementioned with Torsten Frings not occurred. Where was VAR when they needed it? So we'll round off the 2002 World Cup with England. Of course, we couldn't mention the 2002 World Cup without mentioning the golden generation of England. So without going into the heartbreak and watching a quarter, another quarterfinal exit on some cork floor in a school hall at 7am, we'll, we'll, we'll look at the, the good times. Sol Campbell, essentially. A shame he was jettisoned in the England team for the for the combination of Rio Ferdinand and John Terry because I think he struck up an incredible partnership with Rio Ferdinand in this World Cup. Both Rio and Sol scored. Let's not forget Campbell scored England's first goal of this tournament to get them underway. Unfortunately, though, they couldn't uh, couldn't hold off Sweden to win. Might have been a better better story for England in the World Cup had they not. But an incredible performance against Argentina in the subsequent match. They would keep clean sheets against Nigeria, Denmark, two dark horses in this tournament. And uh, a golden age of centre-halves for England. Campbell was at the forefront of that. And uh, he always turned up in big tournaments from the 1998 World Cup when he should have scored but didn't to the European Championships of 2004, which had a very similar similar ending, not only in the penalty shootout defeat, but Sol Campbell scoring a goal which maybe on another day would have been uh, allowed but wasn't in the game that finally ended England's time at the tournament. We'll be back after this short break. We're going from South Korea and Japan and we're going to fly right into the heart of the 2006 World Cup and Germany. We're back. So whilst we waited to discuss a world champion in the 2002 section of this podcast with uh, with Rivaldo and Brazil, we're heading straight in, headfirst into the Wall of Berlin, which is, of course, in 2006, Fabio Cannavaro. The Wall of Berlin, despite his most famous, most mesmeric display defensively, taking part in Dortmund in the... Uh, in the semi-final against the hosts, Germany. So whilst Italy had a poor 2002, 2006 they were champions, of course, suffering from the same ailment as Italian teams in history suffer from, and that is essentially getting off to a poor start and then romping to the uh, to the win eventually. Also see 1982 and Paolo Rossi in Spain for such an occasion. Here, though, Italy were doing traditional Italy things and being resolute defensively. Such was the case that they wouldn't concede from open play at the hands of the opposition, at least. Of course, they would concede in the group stages through Christian Zaccada's hacked-away clearance in a 1-1 draw against America. And in the final, of course, they would concede early on through Zinedine Zidane, but that was via the penalty spot. At the heart of it, whilst Fabio Grosso was was um, succeeding Gianluca Zambrotta at left-back when Gianluca Zambrotta himself was moving from left to right to cover for Zaccardo after the own goal. And whilst Alessandro Nesta fell to injury and a whole slew of centre-backs joined Fabio Cannavaro from Materazzi, who was in the team, then out of the team through suspension, then back in it for the World Cup final, of course. But in and amongst that, the one mainstay in the Italian team in his rightful position was Fabio Cannavaro and he was the main reason why Italy won the World Cup in this year and he remains the last defender to win 
the Ballon d'Or. Sorry, Virgil van Dijk fans, but he is um, when he lifted the trophy later on in the year. So we'll go and look at some of the the great Italian players. And I think we're going to take a look at some of the more unsung heroes, I'd say, of this Italian team. Fabio Grosso. He was a jobbing fullback in the Serie A. Um, he was essentially turned out to be Paolo Maldini for one month. He was absolutely superb as soon as he got onto the pitch in the second or third game. Broke the deadlock famously in the semi-final. The man who assisted him for that mesmeric goal, Andrea Perlo. Now, in 2006, he was probably... a, a fa- He was a fantastic defensive midfielder, a fantastic register. He would probably become more famous the more his career wound on and the more as a footballing society, as a footballing community, we came to discover the love in number sixes or number fives, if you're from Argentina, and really begin to espouse the virtues of defensive midfielders and how they can be creative and not only destroyers and be this creative fulcrum. Of course, that is mainly thanks to the Spanish team, which would follow this World Cup. And there, obviously, as a byproduct, we find the love for Andrea Perlo. But in 2006, that ridiculous assist for Fabio Grosso remains one of my favourite World Cup assists of all time and um, he had a superb superb World Cup and of course you can't forget Luca Toni as well by this point slightly probably more so closer to the back nine and the peak of his career but he scored some incredibly vital goals for Italy in the group and in the quarterfinals against Ukraine and wouldn't feature again so prominently for Italy at another major tournament, but what a time to do it, I guess. So we'll take a look at the hosts now and a quartet of Germans who, again, were trying to get out of the doldrums of of recent times. Yes, they'd got to the World Cup final in 2002, but take a look at the route to the final, Paraguay, USA and South Korea. I mean, it wasn't the hardest route, and even then they made quite the meal of it, a couple of, uh, well, three 1-0 wins, Um Probably undeserved, maybe. Uh, either side of that, group stage exits in the Euros probably probably categorised them um, with a bit more precision. Also, the 98 World Cup quarterfinal exits of the, of the 90s to Bulgaria and Croatia. So this is the legacy that Germany headed into their World Cup that they hosted. And um, instantly you could see with the likes of Philipp Lahm scoring the opening goal of the tournament that they were... A new team, and they felt different. And then, obviously, Miroslav Klose was a bit of a bridge in the 2002 World Cup, scoring five-headed goals. Of course, we'll discuss him later on. But then you've got Lukas Podolski in his first World Cup, scoring incredible goals against Sweden in the last 16. You've got Bastian Schweinsteiger, who ran things at times in the midfield. And, of course, you've got Oliver Kahn's successor there, and Jens Lehmann, who had um, one of the more prominent penalty shootout displays by a goalkeeper against Argentina in the quarterfinals. A hero when um, by the end of that it was it was no question that he was fully deserving of that number one shirt because there had been a bit of bit of needle, bit of back and forth between who would be number one in the German national team, Lehman or Kahn. Lehman won out thanks mainly to his Arsenal form and that brilliant Champions League run. And he uh, Really on course for, despite a semi-final exit, obviously, a return to the glory days. And from the outside looking in, I would feel more positivity towards this German World Cup performance than the last one, despite 
the final in 2002 and only a semi-final here. But this was a better display all round by by the Germans, no mistake. And similarly, maybe for Spain, who went one round fewer than in 2002, a last 16 compared to the quarterfinal, but standing in their way in the last 16 were an incredible French team. Going forward for Spain, they had evolved from Raul into two incredible young centre-forwards. And the 2006 World Cup is the tournament where Fernando Torres and David Villa both proved they belonged. They took apart Group H, and yes, Group H wasn't the hardest of groups, Ukraine, Tunisia and Saudi Arabia, but they were scoring with such veracity and at such regularity that you had to believe that soon Spain would become the brides as opposed to the perpetual bridesmaids of years gone by when they supposedly had one of the greatest teams. They had the greatest league in the world, but they never quite translated that into international football. Of course, two years later in the Euros, that would become realised soon enough. And of course, we've got to talk about England. This was the golden generation, I suppose. And uh, in what was ultimately a disappointing tournament for England, another quarterfinal exit, another penalty shootout exit as well. Probably the shining lights, aside from another man we're going to discuss later in the uh, 2002 and 2006 section. We've got Steven Gerrard here, cruelly robbed a spot of the uh, England team in the prior World Cup with a broken foot. Thanks to injury, though, he was back in 2006 and... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He was almost a different player. Between 2002 and 2006, he'd had a full, full semester. Several semesters under Gerard Houllier's tutelage. He'd also won the Champions League with Rafael Benitez and was an entirely different player. And he just encapsulated how well Liverpool were doing at the time and dragged them to several glories. And here was doing his level best to translate that with England, despite the facts of Paul Scholes' retirement and despite the fact of a 4-4-2 and Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard, can they play together? Will they play together? In the end, it didn't really matter as England bowed out in the quarterfinals, but England's greatest player in this World Cup tournament was Gerrard and he scored... The most goals for England, arguably not a great feat on two, but goals against Sweden and Trinidad and Tobago nonetheless. And one of the great goals in the World Cup, I suppose, against Trinidad. So we'll go through to two surprise packages now in Ghana and Australia with Stephen Apaya and Asamoa Gian. And Ghana really shot into our hearts in the 2010 World Cup with a quarterfinal display. But here 
in the 2006 World Cup. We've got the building blocks of that team. Of course, Apaya was a, a Ghanaian legend and one of the greatest Ghanaian players ever to have lived. He had a fantastic tournament. Meanwhile, Asamoah Gyan, probably more famous for the 2010 World Cup for both positive and negative, but... Again, building blocks here. He was um, showing his potential ahead of the World Cup in South Africa. And Ghana here at their first World Cup, like Senegal four years prior, and like Ivory Coast, similarly, and another couple of um, African teams, likes of Angola and Togo. But Ghana were the only African nation to qualify for the last 16. Of course, they got found out pretty quickly by Brazil. So too... Australia, who reached the last 16, reached the knockout phase for the first time and were quickly found out by the eventual champions. Although Italy's win was in the 95th minute and was through fairly um, fairly fortunate means, really. At the heart of Australia's run to the last 16, Tim Cahill. Now, as British audiences like Claudia Reyna, the, uh, the tournament before, we all knew about Tim Cahill. He was one of a few Australians that were in the Premier League at this time. But unlike Harry Kewell, Mark Viduka, Tim Cale grasps the tournament with both hands, scoring a couple of goals against Japan in what was essentially in a 3-0 win. The turning point between Australia and another group stage exit, as they had in the 1974 World Cup and, and what they would do in perpetuity, it seems, for the following three tournaments. Either with that win and obviously with his performance against Croatia helped Australia into the last 16 and um, befitting what was um, probably will go down as Australia's greatest player, at least for the national team and at least his performances. Also see his goal against the Netherlands in the 2014 World Cup, sublime. And of course, we have to talk about Portugal, who were, I'd say, on the precipice of being one of the most favoured teams going into this World Cup and throughout were one of the better teams of it as well. I mean, I don't really have to say much about Cristiano Ronaldo. We all know about him now, but this was his first World Cup. He helped eliminate England, of course. One with a wink, two with a penalty that eliminated England a bit more directly. And um, really, this time was a, a boom period for Portugal. Now, we talk about the 90s and the late night, mid to late 90s as Portugal's golden generation of a Rui Costa, of a João Pinto, of a Luis Figo being that golden generation. Here, it's one golden generation bleeding into another with Cristiano Ronaldo and Manish, Ricardo Carvalho, Paulo Ferreira, all the winners of for Porto in the 2003-04 Champions League season. This was Portugal's time, it seemed. Cristiano Ronaldo well on the way to becoming the, the world's greatest player of the time. And um, they both bled into one. We can thank Deco as well in midfield from that Porto team who would go on to have a superb career. And really all four of them, or well, five really, if we count Luis Figo, Deco, Manish, Ricardo, Carvalho, Cristiano Ronaldo, all converged on what still is Portugal's joint best World Cup performance, equaling, of course, the great Eusebio and Portugal from 1966, of course, which is a year we never discuss here on uh, the Wadsy Football Podcast or in the British Isles in general. So we'll move on to look at the absolute best of the best from both the 2002 World Cup and the 2006 World Cup. And we have to start, really, with a man who was, in this period, the best player in the world, or at least for the earlier part was. Unfortunately, injuries caught up with him in the end. But come the end of the noughties, come the end of this period, he was the World Cup's greatest ever goal scorer. And 
potentially alongside Pele, could think of himself as perhaps the World Cup's greatest ever player as well. Unfortunate to be on, ending up on the losing side in 1998 after suffering a seizure on the morning of the final, but righted those wrongs thoroughly in the 2002 World Cup. One of the best World Cup performances by a single player ever. Certainly the best I've ever seen. Eight goals in the World Cup two to win the World Cup against Germany, of course, had a, a stunning tournament either side of uh, an England game where he didn't score. The only team to not let Ronaldo score in the World Cup was England, so maybe a medal's deserved for that one. And in the 2006, last 16, um, his final World Cup goal broke Gerd Muller's record against Ghana in the last 16, ultimately falling in defeat to Zinedine Zidane's France. We'll be discussing him shortly. Miroslav Klose, of course, would be the successor to that record, but this is well outside our purview here when we're looking at the 2002 and 2006 World Cups. That tally was built largely with the foundations of these two tournaments. Started it all off with a hat-trick against Saudi Arabia in 2002 in an 8-0 thrashing and a hat-trick of headers. In fact, all five goals, as we mentioned earlier, at the 2002 World Cup were headers. He went one better in the 2006 World Cup, held on home soil, of course, for Germany and um, won the golden boot for his efforts. And that being a semi-final appearance in 2006, a final appearance in 2002, there's only really the Brazilians who can live with Miroslav Klose and, of course, as well, Michael Balak in terms of being, you know, up there consistently. Michael Balak one of the few shining lights for what I would deem a poor German team in 2002, despite reaching the final, of course. We've talked about all that beforehand. So we can lump in Miroslav Klose into that shining lights of 2002. Also, Oliver Kahn, of course. Balak, though, was front and centre. He was integral to the team, particularly with his goals in the quarterfinal and the semi-final of the 2002 tournament to eliminate the United States and South Korea. Unfortunately, would miss the final through suspension, which is still a a really ridiculous um, rule, thankfully abolished now. Um, less effectual in 2006, which is why he doesn't get higher billing in this final section. But uh, make no mistake, a the, probably the biggest reason why Germany got so far in the 2002 World Cup because of Michael Ballack. So we move on to the final three players of the 2000s in the World Cup. Ronaldinho. One of the best players in the world. Best player on the planet, apparently, in 2006 and certainly showed it with the Champions League medal he had just won with Barcelona. Um, in terms of his World Cup performances, 2002 is often more remembered and quite rightly so as well. That sent him into the stratosphere. Potential move to Manchester United, ultimately moving to PSG, which then led him to the camp now, of course. Of course, from our perspective as British and English-speaking nations, a free kick against England in the quarterfinal. One of Brazil's finer players at the tournament in really a who's who of, of world football at the time. And to talk about names we've not mentioned yet, Lucio, even Kaká couldn't get in the squad. Um, an incredible, incredible team. So we've got to put an England player in this section, surely, don't we? And quite rightly, I think probably on a global, from a global perspective, doesn't quite reach this echelon, but does deserve a mention in this podcast. Nonetheless, it's David Beckham. I have to lump him in here at some point. He's still the only English player to score at three World Cups. And it was in this time frame. Of course, you've got your 
goals against Colombia in 1998. He goals against Argentina in 2002 and Ecuador in 2006. All of which, of course, from set pieces. Two from free kicks, one from a penalty. And around this time in the golden generation of England, <laughs> hate that phrase, said it too many times, easily England's most important player, obviously from the Greece goal to level things up and to take England to the 2002 World Cup. And it's why we went to the lengths as a nation to try and speed up his recovery from the broken metatarsal in 2002 because he was England's best player at the time together with Michael Owen. And unfortunately, again, quarterfinals all year round for England as it often is. And to end things on a slightly better note, Zinedine Zidane. I mean, we've spoken about Ronaldo and one of the best tournament displays by one man that I can remember, 2002. Zidane in 2006, phenomenal. And such was his displays at the 2006 World Cup that even despite... A pretty shocking 2002 World Cup, not only for Zidane because he was unfit, but entirely for the French national team who defended their World Cup without scoring a single goal. Zidane has to be in this in this shortlist of the absolute best of World Cup players in the 2000s. He was suspended for the third group stage game and obviously with France's future in that World Cup in the balance after draws against Switzerland and South Korea ahead of what was essentially the easiest game of the group against Togo to come. Still, France weren't qualified. They were outside the top two spots, which would grant them qualification to the last 16. And Zidane had announced his retirement before the tournament. So essentially, he went into that match from the sidelines with potentially his last game already behind him, of course. Thankfully, France win 2-0 against Togo. And then Zidane doesn't let his... uh, premature ending of his career have a second chance because he then just goes into god mode which we'd seen at Euro 2000 as well when he scored in wins against Portugal and Spain in the 1998 World Cup when he scored two goals for France in the final to help win the World Cup there and then he just came to life in the knockouts man of the match displays against um, against Spain and against Brazil scores against Spain, scores the winning goal against Portugal in the semi-finals. Another man of the match display there. And, of course, the opening goal in the World Cup final. Only problem was he then headbutted a guy. France didn't win the tournament, but still, he wins the golden ball quite rightly. No consolation, obviously, since his career's over with a headbutt on somebody else. But an incredible, incredible World Cup nonetheless. And hopefully we'll get another incredible World Cup this time round in Qatar. Hope you join us for that. We have got a little bit of a break, but we have still got some content sandwiched in between here and the the World Cup Daily Podcast, which we'll be providing you all tournament here on the Sports Social Podcast Network. And that is a Patreon exclusive of yesteryear when we'll be talking about England versus Wales in the European Championships of 2016. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can skip that one if you've already listened to it. But free to wear because it is the World Cup and because if you haven't noticed, it's England versus Wales in a couple of weeks time. So the World Cup Daily Podcast, yes, we'll start the week after next with four previews, group by group, group A, B, C, D, obviously E, F, G, H, etc., all 
in four easily manageable podcasts throughout the week. And then the following week, it all gets going every single day from the 21st of November right until the end of the tournament with the final when England win the World Cup again. (laughs) Not going to happen. Anyway, we'll be here pretty much every day after this little week-long break with the 2022 World Cup. Until then, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, Sidi. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.